Welcome to the Birth Prep Podcast. I'm Taylor, and I'm here to help you prepare your mind, body, and team to best support you during your birth experience. Today, I want to talk to you guys about my very first preparation experience. Now, I was pregnant seven years ago, so I I also don't remember what I ate for breakfast yesterday, so y'all are just going to have to bear with me as I recall the events of that time in my life, because it was a very long time ago, and it was five children ago, so keep up, and also, you know, it's going to be a fun time, just forewarning you. <laughs> Um, but when I was pregnant, I became pregnant at 21 years old and, um, it wasn't necessarily planned quite yet. So there was a lot of mixed emotions and stuff. Um, we wanted, we always wanted kids, but it just wasn't like we weren't planning at that time quite yet. Um, and then obviously that, that set us on a cascade of children because we knew we wanted a large family. We knew we wanted them younger and stuff like that. So it was a whole it was a whole thing. You don't need that information, but we're, we're telling it to you anyways. <laughs> um, so I was pregnant with her and I turned 22 a couple months before she was born. And I was, so I was, I was pretty young. I, I was doing my very best to educate myself though. I was obsessed with knowing all the things I was Googling all day long. I had like four different pregnancy apps that I read religiously every single day, right? They put out a new little snippet every single day. And I read every single snippet they put out. I watched all the videos. I did all the things. I went to every single prenatal appointment with Matt. Um, he was there every single time. And we asked all the questions that we had. We took advantage of those appointments. And we even did the birth prep class at the hospital. We're like, we felt so prepared. Another thing that I did was I was working at a restaurant. I was managing a restaurant, um, which I hated that job uh, so much. It was so it was so toxic. It's fine. We're not going to get into that. But I was managing a restaurant. I was doing like the, I was basically running the whole freaking thing. And I would be able to like leave whenever I wanted and like go eat lunch whenever I wanted and like just whatever. It was just very flexible pretty much, um, which was nice, especially because I was going to be having a baby. But my mom worked at the school, like my, my, the school I graduated from, the school I met my husband at, um, but she worked, it was like three doors down basically. I mean, obviously like it wasn't like all connected. <laughs> it was like three buildings down, I guess I should say. Um, so she would come on her lunch break and she would have lunch with me and we would sit there and talk for a long time, like almost, almost daily. It was, it was, it was very often. It was fun. We would talk all about baby stuff and pregnancy and birth and everything. So like, I felt like I was the most knowledgeable girl. I have wanted this my entire life. I like literally at any point, if you asked me, Hey Taylor, what do you want to be when you grow up? Um, the answer was always a mom. There was literally no other option. It was always, I wanted to be a mom, not some astronaut, not some, not some firefighter, not some nothing, a mom. Okay. And I wanted 17 children. Do I still want 17 children? No, I don't. But little tiny Taylor did. Little teenager Taylor did. Good Lord. She was crazy. I always worked with kids. I ran the church nursery. I ran children's church. I loved babies. 
I was the oldest of six kids. You couldn't tell me that I was never going to be a mom. Like I knew that that's what I wanted. Like that was, that was my dream. My only goal in life was to become a mom. So anyways, I was very excited to give birth. I was, I felt, I felt so ready. Okay. I felt extremely prepared. I felt like it was going to be like, I did believe that it was going to suck. Like it was going to be painful. And I did have that core belief because I was taught that my entire life, right? We were cursed in the Bible and we just, we experienced birth that way. And everybody has a painful birth except the chosen few that are God's favorites. And they just like, you probably weren't going to be that way, Taylor, because everyone else was born to have a sucky birth. And that just was what it was. And I definitely thought that that's how it was going to be for me. It was that for me. And it was, um, I'm getting ahead of myself anyways. So I did believe that it was going to hurt. I wasn't like delusional or anything like that. I was just like, I was going in expecting for me to like get through the experience and it to be okay. And like, as soon as it was over, the pain was done and all the things, and it was just going to be worth it. And it was going to be fine. I was not prepared for the experience that I encountered that day. I had a membrane sweep at 40 weeks and I didn't know that that was an induction method. Of course, like they actually did inform me that time. They, they tried to inform me. They were like, Hey, this is what it is. And this is why we're going to do it just to, you know, get things started. Quote unquote. Um, which I was like, oh, that's fine, totally. Because guess what? I thought going into my 40-week appointment, they were going to be like, okay, come back tonight. We're going to do your induction. That was my belief. Like, I just thought, like, they didn't let people go over 40 weeks. If my baby wasn't here, like, they were going to get the baby out. I had a mom who had very big babies, and she had lots of inductions. Um, and her other two kids were born on her freaking due date. So that was my belief. Okay, you know, we take our these stories from the people in our lives, and they form our belief system about birth. And... I definitely believed that going into that appointment, they were going to be like, oh yeah, we need to get this baby out yesterday. And I thought I was going to have that baby that, that day. I literally went in thinking that. And when my due date came and they were like, okay, no, we're, they didn't say anything about induction, which honestly shocking. Um, especially knowing these doctors, because my next couple experiences with them were interesting. I wonder when the arrive trial was done. <laughs> I don't know the date on that. I know it's relatively new, but, um, Anyways, that's, yeah. Okay. Let me get back on track. So I went in for my 40 week appointment. They did a membrane sweep that day. They did kind of inform me. They at least told me that they were going to do it. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, because I had it done at a, another pregnancy and they didn't even tell me they were doing it. They just did it. And they were like, okay, we'll see if that, we'll see what that does. I'm like, oh, okay. You just really did that without my consent. That's, inter- that's interesting. Um, so, and I know that happens to so many people anyways, getting off track yet again. Um, you just try to keep bringing in. Okay, guys, just bear with me. Rabbit trails on rabbit trails. It's fine. Um, so I get to the appointment. They do the memory sweep. I go home. No, where did I go to work? I went to work. I was cramping. I was like, oh, this sucks. So I got to the point where I was like, I can't handle this. I'm going to go home. So I went home and did the whole night as it was like, it was fine. I was just having cramps every so often. I didn't think, oh, these are contractions. (laughs) No. Um, So I just, we did the evening together, Matt and I, and then we went to bed. And when I woke up, that's when like the contractions were pretty, I was like, oh, this is a, this is, is this a contraction? I of course called my mom because I didn't know. 
Um, I had a feeling, but I was like, is this a contraction? What do I do? How do I do this? What, how do I know? <laughs> so I started timing them and this was at like nine in the morning and we, we timed them all day. We, we, oh man, that was a long day, but also it felt like the snap of a finger, right? It was so short, but also so long. And I labored at home until I got to the 511 rule. Like they told me, like they taught me in the hospital class. Um, like I read on the internet, all the things. And I, while we were at home, I was just, I was so focused on timing contractions and like getting, we were walking around the block and we lived on one circle. Like our whole neighborhood was just one circle. We lived in townhouses and we walked the, walked the circle and then we got home for a contraction. And I would like, I liked to be inside for the contraction so I could lean on my yoga ball or lean on the wall or whatever. And I basically got to the point where I was having them outside. So I had to shorten the circle. I had to cut three yards. And it was a whole thing. Matt was walking with me, obviously. And um, we were just so focused on all the contractions. And we got to the point where it was time to go. It was like five o'clock. And that was an interesting car ride. It was very difficult. Matt's on the phone the whole day texting people like, hey, we're going to the hospital to have the baby, blah, blah, blah. Um, that was a, I'm not going to get into like the visitor aspect of things. I hated how we did visitors that time. I think I did a whole episode on visitors. So if you want to know about that, go check that episode out. I won't reiterate things here, but it was bad. There's tons of people there waiting for me to have a baby and I hated it. Um, and it did not contribute well to my mindset. I felt very rushed. I felt very pressured. I felt very like, I was just such a people pleaser. And I was like, okay, everybody's waiting for me to have this baby. Um, but anyway, so we get to the hospital, we get checked in. Um, they're like, Oh yep. You're in active labor. I was like five centimeters or so six, maybe. Um, and they were like, we're going to get you checked into a room, blah, blah, blah. So I get back to your room. Everything's fine at this point. I'm still having the contractions. They still hurt like hell. I'm like, I'm just trying to get through it. Right. And, but it's manageable, right? I feel okay. I feel like, like I felt fine. Like I wasn't like in that much pain. It was definitely like I had to stop and focus and breathe and everything. And then when it stopped, I could talk again and hang out with everybody. And it was a, that was kind of what I was experiencing. So I get into a bed, have a hospital gown, all the things in a room and I am laboring in my bed. Um, I really didn't do any labor positions that time. I was just sitting, waiting. I really don't remember being up at all. Once I got my butt in the bed, I used the squat bar. I was like leaning on the squat bar. Matt was like massaging my back, rubbing my back the whole time, which he was like dead after that, which is, that's fine. Your, your birth partner battery put in some work. Okay. Anyways, um, <laughs> our moms ended up staying both of our moms and the plan, the plan was just Matt and I were going to be there. Um, I had only met his mom, like, I don't know, a, a very small handful of times, maybe like three times at that point. She lived out of state. She didn't really, she wasn't really going to raise him. Um, so it was very awkward for me. I was very glad that he had her there as support for him. Um, but she wasn't at our next birth. I'll just leave it at that. It was just not nothing against her or anything. It was just very awkward for me. I felt very uncomfortable. I felt very uncomfortable that whole time. Like people were coming in and out. Matt's grandparents were there. My whole family was there coming in and out, waiting in the waiting room, all the things. And I was like, this is, is this how this is supposed to be? I just felt like I was at everybody else's will that day. And I was so out of like, there was nothing that I was controlling, nothing. 
I just felt like, I don't want to say a victim, but I literally felt victim to the whole situation. I felt like I didn't have a say in anything. And then that's not even talking about the doctors yet. Good Lord. So the doctors come in, you know, or not even doctors, I don't even know, nurses, somebody was coming in telling me I had to do all these things. It wasn't posed as a question. There was no information given. It was not a good experience. It was so bad. Um, they were like, okay, we have to get you started on, we have to, like the, the language was, we have to, we have to do this. We're going to get you started on this. We're going to do this. It was no, there was no question for me. There was, I literally felt like I didn't have an option. I didn't know that I had an option. I didn't know anything about that stuff. They didn't talk about Pitocin in the birth prep class at the hospital and they freaking should. They better be by now. I'm going to raise hell. (laughs) Um, I am, I'm trying to, I'm like, I'm going to single-handedly, not single-handedly. I have lots of friends that do this and I love them so much. And I love that we're doing it together, but I'm like, we're going to ship this freaking birth industry. This is garbage. This is baloney. It should not be this way. At the very least, you should be making these decisions with your provider, not these providers making decisions for you. Anyways, I digress. I was told we had to get started on Pitocin. So we get started on Pitocin. We got to keep, we got to move things along, even though, even though I was moving along, things were progressing. I had been in labor all day. Everything was progressing. It wasn't like I had stalled. So they started me on Pitocin. That ramped up the pain immensely. I did not get out of bed after that. That's for sure. I was in so much pain. It was nearly unbearable. When I say that I learned that blinding pain wasn't some cute little saying that day, I didn't know what time it was. They were giant windows. And like, we got there at five, we got there at five o'clock. Okay. In January. Like it was, it was probably getting dark on the way there. And me at midnight was like, when did it get dark? <laughs> I was so out of it. I was so out of it. I was not, I, I did the IV pain medication. I don't know, once, maybe twice, um, which helped for a, a little bit, like maybe 20 minutes. And it was just right back ramped right back up to just like awful, like just very awful, very painful. So, so painful. It was like, I was looking through straws. Like my vision was so tiny and like if somebody wasn't touching me, it was like they didn't exist. I couldn't hear anybody talking to me at that point. I was so far gone. They came in a little while after breaking my waters or they came in after the Pitocin and they're like, okay, we need to break your water so we can move this along. Y'all, I was there for, I don't even know, less than seven hours before my baby was born. They were rushing. They were rushing me so bad. They, they pulled all the interventions they could to rush things along, right? Except labor positions. That's interesting. That's very interesting. Like labor positions literally help your baby come down and out of the birth canal and help you progress. But okay. Anyways, I'm not going to get on that whole spiel. Um, so I had that experience and that's what it was. And they broke my waters that also ramped up the pain. And I just was like, I was having an awful time. I was just like, this just seems to be over. I can't wait for this to be over. And I knew that it was going to be worth it. Right. So I have this baby finally push her out. Um, oh, they told, (laughs) they had me do some practice pushes because I was ready and they had me do a practice push. That was it. They did me. They were like, Oh, you know what you're doing? It was like, yeah, I've been having this conversation with my mom for months. Um, and she was there too. Right. Oh, she also like, not to even mention, they were prepping me for a C-section at one point not like physically prepping me, but they were like getting the behind the scenes ready. They were talking about it. It was chatter, chatter. And thankfully my husband's cousin, Matt's 
no, aunt, cousin, my aunt-in-law, my auntie-in-law, <laughs> she had worked in that labor and delivery department for years. She was no longer there, but she knew all the girls that worked there. So she was on the phone with them a couple times and just like checking in, making sure they were, you know, all the things. And I'm like, whew, man, I wish I, yeah, anyways, I wish it was a different experience, but I'm glad that she was, I'm glad that she was talking to them because, um, it got to the point where they were like, like, let me talk to Matt. Like we need to talk, like tell him like, Hey, the next step is a C-section for this girl because she's freaking out. As I got to the point where I wasn't progressing anymore because my body was in like fight or flight mode and I, there was no relaxing. There was no, um, releasing. There was no opening happening. There was nothing that was like a good, like there was nothing good happening for me. I felt completely, um, I just, I didn't feel like I was birthing a baby. I felt trapped in like this bad situation and my body felt like it was not like, there was no safety. There was no comfort. There was nothing. It was just all bad, all bad. And my body like basically stopped progressing because my body was like, well, we're not going to birth a baby in these conditions. This is insane. Um, so I got to the point where they were like, okay, she needs to calm down. Cause I was like nearly hyperventilating at this point. Like there was no, no more breaths that we practiced in the birth prep class. None of that. There was just like complete like survival mode and survival mode wasn't getting me to where I needed to go. Right. I needed to be grounded in some comfort and safety and things like that. So Matt came back, talked to, you know, told my mom what was happening. And my mom was like, oh heck no. That's not happening, not on my watch. So she basically was like, she didn't like step in, didn't step on any toes. She told Matt to help, how to help me. She's like, you need to get her back on track. You need to get her breathing with you, blah, blah, blah. So he, you know, we, we were just so underprepared. It was not even funny. At least for this experience, right? We probably would have been decently prepared for an intervention-free experience. I think that if those interventions weren't pushed on me that day, that things would have looked a lot different. Um, but that wasn't the reality. So we were just navigating things as they came at us and we did the best that we could. Right. So he steps in, he helps me start breathing again. We get back on track. We start progressing again. I could like see a little bit more again. Like I was like, I got back, like getting my breath under control helped me get my entire body under control. Um, and I think it was more mindset. Cause I was like, okay, let's see. Like I gotta, okay, now th there's a C-section on the table. Like I need to get my crap together because I don't want that outcome because if I did have a c-section that day my life would not look anything like the life I live today I wouldn't have this business I wouldn't have all the children I have I wouldn't have had my kids so close together I would not have this life and I know that for a fact and I think about that all the time that that tiny little moment could have changed everything for me and that is the reality of this situation for you. Like, that's why this is so serious. This birth prep stuff that I do, I believe that this changes lives. And I wholeheartedly believe that because my life would have changed in an instant that day. Had I not had my mom there who wasn't supposed to be there, I probably would have had a C-section. And I do believe that. And I like, it's, I believe in God. I'm like, it was all a God thing. Everything worked out the way it needed to. I went through this experience to have the job that I have today. Like I, I don't have any like, 
I wouldn't go back and redo it. Like I probably would for my sake, but like I, and my baby's sake, because then carrying that trauma into motherhood was not good for me, not good for them. It was not good. I went into postpartum depression and anxiety and all the things, but like I had such a traumatic experience. And I remember sitting on the bed after she was born. I did the, okay. Back to the pushing. I had the practice push. They told me to stop. They made me stop pushing until the doctor got there. And my body was like, no, we're doing this. And they were like yelling at me, telling me to stop pushing. Um, I barely remember that. I just remember them like getting a little bit nasty with me and like saying like, you can't, you can't like, okay. And like, I, what do you mean? I can't, my body is doing it. So I just like, I kind of just shut them out at that point. I wasn't, I didn't even care. I was like, they're going to just have to catch. Like, I'm just like, it's catching a baby. Why can't any, there's a room full of people here. There was literally, I, I'm not kidding. There was probably almost 20 people in that room when I was pushing my baby out, including one of my brother's roommates who was a respiratory therapist. He wasn't just there to watch. <laughs> just to give some context. Um, he actually saved my baby because she wasn't breathing when she was born. He was hitting her with like this little mallet marshmallow. It was like a marsh. It looked like a marshmallow. And he, yeah, he was great. Um, anyways, but he was in the room that day and probably saw more of me than he ever wanted to see. And it was a fun time. There were so many people in there. I was shocked at how many people were in there when it was time to birth my baby. And I don't remember my other experiences being like that. I was, I don't know if they thought like things were going to be bad. I don't know if like they were monitoring the baby and they were like, okay, this baby's going to need some help. I don't know what was going on. There was just so many people there. It was, it blew my mind anyways. Um, so finally pushed this baby out couple pushes, right? Not a lot of time. And it was bad. They were, they were definitely, I was purple pushing. They were yelling. They were yelling the numbers at me. One, two, three, four. You know, I couldn't hold my breath that long. First of all, you shouldn't be holding your breath when you're pushing. Look at evidence-based birth. Anyways, just, that's just such a bad way to push. It's not very effective, I guess I should say. Um, now I just breathe and my body pushes for me. <laughs> And it's awesome and it's nice. Um, but it was like, I had one person on each knee, like they were pushing my knees up to my chest. I was a bigger girl. Like that was probably the, the heaviest I've ever weighed in my life when I had her. Um, so yeah, I was a big girl and they had my knees all the way up, like by my freaking chin, yelling at me to push, had this big giant belly on me trying to push out this baby. It was a whole thing. I hated every second of it, but she was finally here, right? She finally gets here and then they're stitching me up. This man did a committed committed medical crime committed a very heinous crime and did a husband stitch literally didn't even talk to, like didn't say anything about it to me said something about it to my husband well he was my fiance at the time um but literally said something to matt about it i didn't know what was going on i didn't know what a husband stitch was he said something like um what did he say i don't even remember something along the lines of like do a little extra for you or something like that. Like, man, oh, it makes, it makes my blood boil. Honestly, that this is how women are being treated every day. It just makes me very angry knowing what it can look like now, knowing the experience I had last time and how amazing and beautiful and magical and peaceful and like enjoyable it actually was because I was the one in control that day. If I said a word, everybody in that room would have made sure my words were listened to and they would have made the the best effort in achieving whatever I said, whatever came out of my mouth, right? This experience, on the other hand, it was I could have said anything and they would have known better than me and they would have done it anyways. And that is not fun. I hate that for 
all I just I hate that so much anyways that's why I do what I do okay that's that's it that's the the whole reason why I do what I do because women should not be treated this way this should not be how we're treating these women so I get stitched up I finally have this baby I felt so weird I was like oh my gosh I said a couple things I said oh my gosh I'm not pregnant anymore that was so weird because that was your reality now for so long I didn't even think about like what it was going to be like to not be pregnant and I like had this squishy empty tummy and I was like whoa I'm not pregnant anymore I was like, I can, I can breathe. My lungs have room. <laughs> you know, it was like this whole, it was interesting. It was very, very weird couple hours after she was born. Um, I felt completely gone. My, my brain was mush at that point. I felt so disconnected from everything and everybody. I know I had visitors coming in and out. My whole family visited, um, all the things. It was, it was a tough, it was it was a tough situation I just felt like I was very not there mentally. I felt very gone. I felt like I was just going through the motions and like, I barely remember that night, which makes me really sad. It makes me very sad actually. Um, and I'm not going to cry on the podcast. Not today. <laughs> um, so I had her, one of the very first thoughts I remember, she wasn't even in my arms yet. And I remember thinking, I was probably getting stitched up or something. I remember thinking, feeling so defeated. I felt so defeated. I was like, how, how am I ever going to do this again? How am I ever going to do this again? Like, that was awful. That was nothing like, like when I say I felt like I got slapped in the face that day, like I felt so utterly blindsided. Because I felt so, y'all, I felt so prepared. It wasn't like I was going in blind, like a lot of women choose to do because it's just easier for them. And it's just like, oh, I'm just going to go with the flow. Well, the flow freaking slapped me upside the head. Okay. It was not a fun time. I would not recommend, like I'm saying, like we're not teaching these women the correct things. You know, we're not teaching them the things that they actually need to know. And it makes me very sad. Like you're not going to find the things that you need to know at your doctor's office. You're not going to find them in your birth prep class at the hospital. You're not going to find them on your pregnancy apps. You're not going to even find them probably scrolling through Google because you don't know even what you're looking for. You're being told all the, all the facts and all the things and blah, blah, blah. It's like, it's not the right things. Anyways, where was I going with that? It was just uh, not the experience I was wanting. And I carried, I was, I left very traumatized. I did not think that I was going to leave with all that baggage that day. And I didn't even know what was happening in the moment. I was like, oh, this is normal. This is how everybody births their babies. This is just how it's supposed to go. And I didn't know that I was like, I didn't know how different it could be. I thought that that's how it was supposed to be. I was told that they had to do the things that they did. I thought those things were required of me to birth my baby. Several decisions were made for me that day. I was not empowered at all. I was very disempowered. I had decisions made for me. I had, um, I was just told what to do. I just walked through the motions. I was just like there being treated like, like a thing that was just like, okay, this is just how we do it. This is, there was no like individualized care. There was no real conversations with me. There was just like, I walked in and I wasn't a human being. They were just walking through the motions of like, doing what they wanted to do. And it was not, it was not a great situation. Um, and I tell you the story because 
I felt so prepared and you might feel very prepared too. Hopefully you're a little more prepared for, uh, than me by listening to this podcast. I'm hoping I'm doing a great job of preparing you for your upcoming birth experience. Um, but there are things that I, I want every mama to know three things to be exact. And I'm going to be sharing those on Friday and free training. I am so excited to be doing a free training. I have not done one since before Penelope was born and she is almost six months old. <laughs> So it's been a while and I miss it so much. So we're going to be doing a free training on Friday. Um, it should be about an hour long, but I am going to leave some time for Q and a at the end. Um, obviously dip out if you need to, I'll send you the recording if you can't be there or if you need to hop out at any point. Um, but I would love for you to be there. I would love for you to get your hands on these three things. These three things are the things that changed the way that I birth. This is not some fluffy thing that I'm going to, oh, we're going to do the training and blah, blah, blah. It's going to be, so I got to get you there and get your email address. And it's going to be, it's not that. This is stuff that you need in order to completely shift the way that you could birth your baby. Especially if you're giving birth in a hospital, you need this information. Like this information is important. Um, so I am inviting you to be there. I would love to have you. It's a free event. Again, I want you to have this information. Um, if you can't be there, send you the replay. It's going to be Friday, uh, the 13th, <laughs> um, at 1 PM Eastern standard time. It's going to be in place of birth prep power hour this week. So instead of birth prep power hour, I'm going to be hosting this event. It's going to be on zoom. You're going to be face to face. We're going to hang out. It's going to be a blast. I'm going to save time for questions at the end. You guys can get coached on a couple things. Um, I have a little announcement too, that I'm going to share with you guys that day. Um, I'm really excited for it. I cannot wait. I want this information in your hands so bad. Um, so that's what we're going to do this Friday. And I would love to have you. Thanks for listening to my story. Thanks for holding space for me. That's a tough story for me to tell. I hated that experience through and through. I still do. I still, I try not to get angry at it because I do know that, um, you know, I've grieved it. I've definitely found the reason for it. I, I'm, doing a whole business, right? Like this, this is my reason. This is why I went through that experience. This is why I had those crappy manipulative experiences with my other kids too. Like, I do believe that I went through all that for a reason and it's led me to here talking to you right now in your little headphones, maybe just have me on speakerphone while you're doing your laundry, whatever you're doing. And it's an honor to be here. It's, I just, I love what I do. I'm very grateful to be able to do this. I'm glad that I went through those experiences, no matter how crappy they were. It's led me to this. It's led me to helping thousands of mothers at this point, which that might make me cry on the podcast. <laughs> it's really such, it's really such an honor. I know that it takes a village. I've got five little ones. I know that it takes so much and I'm honored to be a part of yours. Um, so thanks for being here. I appreciate you. Thanks for listening. And as always, happy prepping.